Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, get 30, bet get 20, 20, 20, bet get 20, 20, bet get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. point in your life where you say to yourself, this is the best I'm ever going to look, the best I'm ever going to feel, the best I'm ever going to do, and it ain't that great? Happy birthday. For Mitch Robbins, turning 39 wasn't the end of the world. It just felt like it. I'm losing hair where I want hair, and I'm getting hair where they shouldn't be here. I found four big fat ones on my back. I'm starting to look like the fly. He couldn't put his finger on what was missing. Show him the brochure. It's fantastic. But his friends could. Two weeks, the three of us. Driving cattle. What, like in a truck? No, it's a real old-fashioned cattle drive. Go away with Ed. Take Phil. Go and find your smile. Welcome to the Stone Range. Believe it or not, that work you saw a while ago, y'all are going to be doing that the next two weeks. My ass hurts just watching this. What do you think? I think you look like one of the village people. Welcome to Rewatchability. We're a podcast on the Entertainment One Podcast Network. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is... Blaine Waters. And... J.M. McNabb. And we have a rootin' tootin' movie for you today. Before we get into that, though, we want to thank our Patreons. Those are the folks who give us a little bit of money each month. Could be one, could be three, could be five dollars. And that helps us keep the podcast going. And in return, you get the podcast early and ad-free. And sometimes there's some bonus content. We try to get that out to you every once in a while. We'll take you out to the desert and, <laughs> and go camping. That's not a threat. That's something nice <laughs> that we would do for someone. Honestly, that sounds great, man. I've been stuck at home for exactly one year. so <laughs> In the Canadian winter, so the desert sounds pretty good. I'll take it. Today, I, we have a, a big movie to talk about. It is City Slickers, the 1991 comedy film starring Billy Crystal and Daniel Stern and Bruno Kirby and Jack Palance and... This is going to be the 30th anniversary year of City Slickers. I think it came out probably in November or something. Why do we keep doing anniversaries so wildly off of the <laughs> well, actual time when they came out? I know, I, you know, I, it's just that November because we do Halloween movies all October and we do Christmas movies all December. We only have like four weeks to do regular movies in November, so yeah. I figured there was no chance that we were going to actually get to city slickers and i think city slickers is a movie that we should talk about because it was a big movie it was a huge comedy it also like like you said while we're in lockdown this movie falls under the category of i'm just happy to watch it because it makes me feel like i'm outside yeah (laughs) yeah it's therapy environmental therapy it's a good pick too rob because i don't think i've thought about this movie since it came out 
So I'm I was excited I to rewatch about it. it every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it was a big movie, and I remember. I mean, we'll get into it. Okay, first let's start with let's start with you, Blaine. When was the first time that you saw City Slickers? I don't have any like definitive memories of it. I remember like some things from the movie, like I'm on vacation, like getting dragged by the bull, stuff like that. But I don't I don't have any like memories around seeing the movie itself. I'm sure it was just a, a rental at my home. But I remember, I mean, I liked Billy Crystal. <laughs> I don't know why as a young kid being like, Billy Crystal, that's the guy. But I liked him a lot. And I remember liking this movie a lot. But I was kind of worried about it because it's you know it's 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 early 90s mm. you know there's got to be some uh some mm-hmm. some pretty bad things in it um mm. especially when i was watching it and i heard like someone say like it's the 90s i was like oh god <laughs> right oh god yeah. there's gonna be some bad things in this yes that famously enlightened time the 90s <laughs> Yeah, and the the paragon of social justice that is Billy Crystal is here to usher us through this. Uh, well, yeah, we'll get into it, but the movie does try to be like, yeah, a little like forward a, thinking. Uh, yeah. It tries to be, and I think it does like maybe an okay job. But I might be eating those words later. But I, yeah, I remember liking it, so I was kind of worried seeing it again how bad it would be and how unfunny it would be. But what about you, JM? When did you first see this movie? Well, I, you know, I feel like when we started this podcast early on, we watched a lot of movies that Blaine watched at sleepovers. It became kind of a thing we made fun of about him. Yeah. So I feel bad every time I have to say that I also saw a lot of movies at sleepovers. You son of a bitch. This was one one of them. I saw this at a sleepover, probably around the time it came out. Like if it came out in 91 uh, in the winter, I probably saw it in 92 in the summer when it was a new release. And I remember, yeah, it was one of those sleepovers where you rent a few movies. This was a big movie. And we all watched it. And I don't have any distinct memories. I remember being, like, caught up in it, like, the the sort of dramatic climax, of, you know, being affected by that. I remember all of us being kind of grossed out by a birthing scene that we'll talk <laughs> about later. Uh, that This is how I was introduced to the, to the miracle of life. <laughs> And yeah, I don't really, I liked it fine. And, you know, it played on TV a lot in the years after that. So I did catch it a few times on TV. I believe I saw the uh, Legend of Curly's Gold City Slickers 2 in the theater. Like I, I was that invested had in, to, yeah. in, in the City Slickers saga. So yeah, no. I, Are they going to bring back Jack Palance? <laughs> the stupidest way possible. No, actually, it wasn't the stupidest. Apparently, like they were going to bring him back as a ghost at one point. <laughs> so, long lost twin was only slightly less dumb than him being a ghost. But yeah, no, I always like kind of enjoyed this movie. But I, yeah, I definitely haven't seen it as an as an adult. And man. It was way different this time, <laughs> uh, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Rob, what about you? Yeah, I I think it was a rental for us. I think that we rented it as a family. I think it was one of those movies that like we could all watch, my mom and my brothers and sisters, and we all sort of enjoyed the comedy of it. And Billy Crystal was a very family-friendly comedian, so it was a safe bet. And I remember really enjoying it. I 
I remember it being like one of the funniest movies that I saw when I was a kid. It was hilarious. It had adventure. All the characters were crazy. Billy Crystal was hilarious. I was definitely all in for Curly's gold. I, I, I think I was fine with the fact that he was a forgotten twin. It was like, you know, I didn't care just as long as they were having more adventures out there. And yeah, I remember really loving it. And I loved Jack Palance. He made such an impression on me. I guess I remembered him from Batman as well. But yeah, he was so great. And yeah, I likewise hadn't thought of it in a long time. I think that Billy Crystal, like he, he, his moment ended and he sort of like quietly went off except for like, doing Pixar's uh, Monsters, you know, movies mm-hmm. or whatever else, video games that he has to do. They sort of cart him out for that. But other than that, he, he doesn't do much anymore. He's you in know? stuff. Isn't he? he was in like a movie with Ben Schwartz a year or two ago. Okay. Was it? Yeah. He had a TV <laughs> show too, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, he did. And okay. nobody watched it and he doesn't have a TV show anymore. Yeah. Yeah, like that's... A- like an FX show or something where he played like a Billy Crystal type character, I think. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I mean. Like, he, his his star hasn't stayed way up there, even though he's been in like a million hilarious movies. Like, at some point after the 90s, he just stopped being a leading comic figure. And so I think a lot of his movies have been sort of like sort of forgotten about. Which well, is no, maybe n- not when Harry met Sally, which I know. Well, not when, about no, before. of course not. I mean, of, I mean, not, not all of them, but like but he some was, of them for our generation. I don't know how people feel about him because, like, I certainly like watched a lot of Billy Crystal movies when I was a kid, like City Slickers. But I, in retrospect, I kind of think it was just because adults kind of told me he was funny or like society as a whole deemed him as a funny person so yeah. i was like yeah okay and it wasn't until i was older where i was like i don't know if he is that funny or if i you know like him that much but yeah we were all swept up in billy crystal fever in the early 90s you know who's always hosting the oscars mm-hmm. and and uh you know do it like i think i saw forget paris in the theaters wow <laughs> and then i was like why why am i here like <laughs> why am i doing this <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Billy Crystal is funny. And I even remember seeing him in that like one weird season that he was on SNL when I was a kid and thinking that he was like a really funny yeah. persona. Yeah, you know? he is. You know, he is funny. I'm being too harsh, but he's not like, I don't know. He's not the kind he's of not guy, Robin Williams. Uh, he's not like uh, uh, funny that like a kid no. would gravitate no. towards, you know, like a Jim Carrey or Robin so Williams. We should do. We should talk about Father's Day sometime. Yeah. The, the yeah. Robin Williams, Billy Crystal movie. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to, to revisit some Billy Crystal stuff. There's just something that, like, I guess when you get a little older, there's something that seems very uncool about Billy Crystal. Yeah. But maybe that's, maybe that's, you know, not the case. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to reevaluate that. Maybe Billy Crystal, no, he's not cool. Remember, he also had that, like, one man show. <laughs> For a long right. time. Yeah. Where he's yeah, on like yeah. the back porch of his house, like talking about his childhood. It just seems what, like, so don't silly. Don't get me mad or something? Is that what it's called? No, no it was called like 6,000 Sundays. Six, 700 or... Sundays yeah, or something. Oh, a lot okay. of Sundays. It was like... too many Sundays. <laughs> yeah. It's like maybe one Sunday with Billy Crystal, but <laughs> no thanks. 700? <laughs> Please. Okay, but let's get into City Slickers, because there's a lot to talk about. A lot of themes in this movie. Everything is happening in this movie. we got to get to it. So it starts in Spain, 
at the running of the bulls. And this is such like a weird scene. Like it kind of doesn't even really need to be in this movie. No, not at all. We do get some like some classic uh, shots of Billy Crystal running and looking backwards as the camera is coming after him. And they're playing like some uh, wackety sax music. Like I, I know that they're like at a location. They're not on a green screen. But the way he's running makes it look like he's running on the spot all the time. I don't know if Billy Crystal knows how to run. <laughs> he's just like <laughs> he running never in place. run in his life. <laughs> well, there, yeah, it's weird because I didn't remember the scene at all. Yeah. Being, you know, I don't remember this being in the movie because I remembered that the premise was that he gets to go on a crazy exotic vacation and that's the movie and that's like to find himself or something. Mm-hmm. But the movie opens and they're like They're already doing it. Already doing a crazy Yeah, apparently exotic he does this shit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> He's always having cow-based adventures every year. It's a it's a bovine themed <laughs> holiday. <laughs> <laughs> on a regular basis. And this movie takes place like within a year of that, right? So they're going on multiple vacations. Yeah. Like why how do they have that much money that they're doing this all the time? Also, how yeah. did he not I... find himself in Spain? It's such a magical, beautiful place. I don't like right. uh, yeah. Spain. No smile to be found in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like Barcelona with the, like all its cathedrals and stuff yeah. like no. Gowdy. I'm just depressed. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, at the beginning of the movie, it is sort of hard to sympathize with his character because he has like a whole bunch of non problems. Like, f- at first, first he gets sort of in trouble at work. His boss, Jeffrey Tambor, he works at a radio station and he's the guy who approves the commercials. And apparently he's doing a shitty job. So his boss, Jeffrey Tambor, tells him that uh, he's going to have to run the commercials by him from now on. And that really gets him down and sends him into, like, this existential crisis. Next thing is his kid, little Jake Gyllenhaal, has his take-your-parent-to-work day. And he's preceded by this, like, you know, like, sort of lumbering construction worker with his ass crack showing. This character actor is in so much, and he's so good. Yeah. He's so funny. Was, yeah, he's amazing. I, I coincidentally watched Total Recall the day before oh, I nice. watched this. And he is also a construction worker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's great, though. Yeah, he, he's he's amazing. But Billy Crystal, I mean... Jake Gyllenhaal lies and tells his class that Billy Crystal is a submarine captain. He's so ashamed of his dad, who works at a radio station. I mean, I don't remember what it was like being a kid all too well, but I I thought that, like, radio stations were pretty cool. I still remember that being, like, a pretty big deal. Especially in, like... In the 90s, that was cool. Yeah, in, like, the late 80s, 90s. Like, we've we've talked about the radio, like, teen radio stuff on this this podcast uh, with... uh, And it's still cool. It's always cool. Yeah, it's so cool. It's cool. Yeah. Even so, podcasts I mean, are cool, right? <laughs> well, let's not. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> but. <laughs> the old rewatchability draft time show. Robin the afternoon. Whoa. <laughs> Just sounds like you're recording that going down a slide or something. <laughs> we've got Blaine's funny names coming right back. <laughs> the worst segment that we've ever had on this show. Oh, we got to bring that back. Oh, it's yeah. just mean. You've been dropping the ball on the funny names, Blaine. <laughs> But he has like he has kind of like a meltdown in front of his son's class, which is a bad place to have a meltdown. Absolutely. <laughs> <Not right>. Well, <laughs> yeah. And you can see yeah. the seeds of like the uh, emo goth Donnie Darko, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, <laughs> you know, cellar be, door seeded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did I say seeds being seeded? You can see, you can see the beginning of of yeah, Gyllenhaal. Uh, 
Gyllenhaal going. Yeah. Billy Crystal himself. ruined him is what you're saying. Just just yeah. took away then his Then he happiness. brought it back. He, movie too. <laughs> he fixed it all with Mr. Music. <laughs> oh, my God. That was pretty amazing. That was pretty amazing. My dad's name Mitch, and he's he's a submarine commander. Oh, Danny. Submarine commander? He works for WBLM Radio. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, like uh, Danny said, I work for WBLM Radio. Are you a disc jockey? No, I'm not a disc jockey. You know the commercials that are on the radio? Oh, do you make all those commercials? No. But also, he has a birthday party, and he is not feeling great about his birthday. And uh, wow, wow. But, <laughs> <laughs> is no, that like all, at his bir- all of these friends that he has? Like, I, how do we feel for anyone in this, in this movie? How do we get behind anyone in this movie? Because his, his one friend, Bruno Kirby, right? He mm-hmm. he's, he's he's a funny enough guy, but he's like his whole character is just like I gotta get through as many women as possible and as young as possible. And you're like Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, why why yeah. would I ever get behind this character? And then Daniel Stern, I mean, so we great. love Daniel he's Stern. So you know, everything's great until somebody comes in and says that they missed their period, and it's Lisa Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> Is this is uh, Yardley. Is it Yardley Smith? Is that? How yeah, you say I think it? so. Yeah, I mean, it's just so like I. I don't think I was looking at the TV when she came on screen, and I just heard her voice, and it was. Uh, it was very confusing. <laughs> that was actually, if, if you ask me, like the number two memory I have from watching this at a, as a kid at a sleepover, it was all of us freaking out <laughs> when we realized it was Lisa Simpson. Oh, that's fun. And she's great. I always like her. Yeah, she's funny. When she shows up and things. Oh, yeah, she's she's good. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, how can you sympathize with these guys? <gasps> Daniel Stern has, like, cheated on his wife, who they're also, like, painting, like, a joy-killing, no-fun, domineering, cold, frigid, whatever. Yeah, yeah every, every, every uh, line or every piece of dialogue they have describing Daniel Stern's wife is basically a Henny Youngman joke. <laughs> it's just <laughs> There's lots of all these constant put-downs. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But he does have the line, which I really like. He's like, I hate you so much to his wife. And he goes, if if hate were people, I'd be China. I don't know why I like that line so much. It's kind of hacky and overwrought, but I like it. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's, Daniel Stern is really funny. He's so this. good. Oh, he's great. Yeah, I remember him being an absolute highlight uh, in this movie. And it's funny, whenever he was talking and I was like looking at my phone or something, I it felt like I was watching <laughs> The Wonder Years for a minute. <laughs> so many good voices. <laughs> Am I in Monsters University? What's happening? <laughs> but all of his friends get him this trip to do this cattle drive thing that is going to help him sort of get his mojo back and he at first he says he can't do it because he and his wife are supposed to go to florida but he's been such a misanthropic grump that she doesn't even want him to go so she's like please no i'm telling you go on this trip well it's it's funny watching this knowing that we all watched it as kids because it's like the conversation that precedes that is her being like, 
hey, you should probably go on this trip because I don't know how long your dick's going to keep working <laughs> in this relationship. <laughs> like, like she like points to his junk and is like, yeah, because they're talking about Daniel Stern basically, but she's basically like. Our marriage is probably going to fall apart. You're not going to be able to get erect. Go on the uh, the cowboy. <laughs> she didn't know that trip. Viagra would be invented. How many years until Bob Dole would be shilling that? So it starts with a conversation about boners. And then <laughs> a minute later, uh, she, she's like, go get your smile back. Yeah. Well, yeah. Your smile equals erection. It does. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then she's also. Go like, get my I, smile I, back is what she was saying. She oscillates between being like, go get your smile back, and then being like, you're not welcome <laughs> at my parents' house. Like, it, it's weird. I, th- this wife is just a non-character, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, I, that's what's so frustrating, or one thing that's frustrating about this movie is, like, sure, I, I get that characters go through midlife crises like this. We've seen it in a lot of things. And we may be tiring of, like, you know, affluent dudes you know, uh, having these types of problems or, or seeing them in movies. But, like, I just don't understand, like, watching it now as a guy who's supposed to be the same age as Billy Crystal. I mean, we didn't talk about yeah. this, but this oh is my his God. 39th birthday, yeah. which oh, fuck. terrified me when I heard that because I'm not that much younger than that. And I, I had to look it up, and thank God he was well into his 40s. <laughs> <laughs> his, uh... Still got a couple years left. Yeah. Uh, but... It's just so Drive weird. Some cattle. Like... <laughs> Do we all go crystal clear? Oh God! I don't know. Like I, I just feel like when you're in a marriage, when you're in like a partnership with someone, like these are conversations you have all the time, and these are like feelings you share. Unless you have like a much younger partner, like Bruno Kirby, like this is probably <laughs> something they're experiencing together. This like you know hurtling towards forty, you know, like getting older. Yeah. These are conversations they would have in advance of her telling him to go on this camping trip. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there is some of that, like, you know, the whole, like he hates his birthday and all of that stuff. Like she almost cancels his birthday because he's going to be miserable, but he actually, you know, insists that he wants to see his friends. So I think that they are sort of dealing with his chronic, Sort of misery and yeah, you know, I mean, unhappiness. I think he, but also he just went on vacation. That's what really bothers me. It's like you just had a vacation. You should. Yeah, and he got himself a new asshole toward. You know. <laughs> I was just yeah. If I was his wife, I'd be, I'd be like, down after that too. Enough cows. Just don't. Yeah. No more cows. Leave it. We got back a week and a half ago. <laughs> what are we going to go to the Amazon next? Oh, I guess that's really depressing. Sorry. <laughs> just go to a steakhouse. Just go to a steakhouse. Get revenge. Get revenge. Okay, but this is where the movie really starts to kick in because then they go and do the cattle thing at the thing with the thing. They go to the ranch. The guy from Walker, Texas Rangers there, Noble Willingham, and you know he has lots of colorful euphemisms that involve shit to, uh, to tell people. <laughs> Man, I remember that so much when I was a kid. Like I grew up around a lot of like factory workers, and and they'd all have like these shit metaphors that they'd use all the time. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like H- having a colorful metaphor oh, was like currency for that. Yeah, like slicker, no. slicker than deer guts on a doorknob was one that I remembered. Oh, I've heard that, that one's one. pretty good. You've, you've said that one on the podcast. Yeah, I probably before. have. Who is it that calls them city slickers first? I think maybe Noble yeah, Willingham does just when they arrive at the ranch. Yeah, like, cause... you're all city slickers now, but we're going to turn you into a bunch of goose shits on a log and a frog. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but there also there's a one point where one of the characters that works at the ranch is like, "Goddamn city slickers" or something. <laughs> right. I was like, "This is your job. Like, you're the whole like premise of your business is that you bring people from the city on a vacation. They're to buying this place clothes where they here. would normally be. Well, that's part of the experience is the uh, is the uh, disgruntled rural people. It's like, yeah. if you didn't get that, you it wouldn't be authentic. You got to have like some ranch hand like saying uh, city slickers and spitting some tobacco. They're oh, my spitting. God. That would have been amazing if if the end of this movie you found out that they were just like pretending to be terrible. We're and, actors. Like, yeah. I'm like, going to be doing Pippin on Broadway. Curly comes out at the end. He's fine. Like everyone, like all the cows were animatronic. <laughs> <laughs> Just Jurassic Park. It was just Jurassic yeah. Park with cows. Or Westworld. Or no, Westworld. no, no, no. No, they're real cows, but they tell them, you know, at the end when uh, he tells them that they're all going to be turned to meat. That's just something that they tell all of them so that they all have, like, the real authentic experience. <laughs> <laughs> just fucks with them. Okay, but so there's a bunch of other people there, too. Like, there are two guys who are basically Ben and Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Ira and, and Glass something. or something. Yeah, something like that. Iron, iron glass. Yeah, it's Samuel L. Jackson from yeah. Yeah. Unbreakable. And there's also a single woman there whose uh, partner doesn't show up. So you know, I feel like Crystal's going through a midlife crisis. So uh, maybe something will happen there, huh? It's so weird. It's so weird that they keep on setting that up and like. Bruno Kirby keeps on being like, "Why won't you cheat on your wife?" Like the entire time. <laughs> it's like that was a great Bruno Kirby too. It's like, who are these? Why won't you cheat? Yeah. Who are these friends of yours? Why are they your friends? God damn it! Also, we later find out like his whole thing is like he's like, oh, "My childhood was just really messed up because my dad cheated on my mom." It's like, what the whole movie you were <laughs> trying to get your friend to cheat on his wife with Supergirl. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. oh my god i can't believe that was supergirl also i love supergirl i think we should do it on the podcast i could be forgetting yeah. about that okay sure. sure um yeah supergirl <laughs> okay. but yeah i kind of understand <laughs> okay first of all Rob is, supergirl Rob's just turning okay? into one of the ranch hands from <laughs> city, slickers. <laughs> city slickers no but, okay but i do kind of like yeah. the uh the bruno kirby arc like yeah like he hates his father but he is stuck in the same pattern of behavior as his father, and he wants to change. That's why he's gotten married, but he doesn't know, you know whether he's done the right thing or whether he can like be a different person. I think that's like a really interesting arc. I get yeah. it, but like the whole the other whole thing, the thing we find out is that like his wife, I think his wife wants to have a kid, and his he doesn't want to do that yeah. because he he thinks he can't help but cheat on her, right? And yeah. he doesn't want to bring a kid into that because of the experience he had. That's okay, sad. I like that. It is sad, and I think I think there's some interesting stuff there. But again, like Billy Crystal has two kids, and he's continually <laughs> trying to get him. Yeah, to come cheat on, on his she wife. wants you. Yeah, it's it's weird that they feel that they have to like interrogate every character through the main character like through Billy Crystal so instead of Bruno Kirby being like I'm afraid I'm going to cheat with someone like he's like why won't you cheat like it's it's just a weird way the writers will like set it up yeah I mean yeah I, the, the other thing that's weird about this movie is like the the whole thing is kind of centered on like Billy Crystal, like getting his smile back, like getting his emotional catharsis. But his two friends are really going through something. Yeah, like actual oh, yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Bruno Kirby's got this stuff going on. Daniel Stern, like, 
may have impregnated a young woman, his marriage has fallen apart, and he's lost his job because the supermarket he works at is owned by his father-in-law. So his life is completely uh, in disarray. And that he's going to have to start robbing houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, like I'm not feeling sorry for any of these characters. Like at the beginning of this, I don't really care if they change. Like it takes me a long while into this movie where I'm like, "Oh, you have the capacity for change." But I don't see it at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I have to agree. I like gave them I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt, but they're all so awful, especially <laughs> at the beginning and like yeah, it's kind of like, like the, why would I care about these people? Yeah. It, it kind of felt like the last episode of Seinfeld, where like, oh yeah, these are awful people that I was watching as a kid um, that I yeah. like enjoyed so much. Yeah, but they do turn it around. I think for me too, I have to, I have to say, you know, there's something about the the wilderness and the cowboys that makes me just forget all about that. Yeah, but okay. I mean, the first thing is that you know when they get to the ranch is Billy Crystal has to sort of stands up for the single woman who's getting you know harassed by some cowpokes. Also, like, how do they still have a business if they just have these two lunatic would-be rapists working for them? <laughs> like, how do they how have they not gone under anyway? That's the first time we're going to say that this episode, but it will not be the last time. <laughs> what is this business? Why is this the first time this is happening? Why are they employing all of these people? <laughs> like, yeah, and this, like, Billy Crystal feels like he has to go in and kind of, like, save her from these two guys. But, like, realistically, she should have just walked over to, like, the guy and be like, I, I think I want a refund. <laughs> yeah. Or I think also, I'm going I'm to suing. sue you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some yeah. city slicker lawyers over there that are going to help me through this. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, city slickers. <laughs> but yeah, so they go, they learn they do learn how to do all the ranching stuff, how to tie a, a a lasso and all that. Billy Crystal's bad at the lasso, so that's a thing. But then they go on the cattle drive and oh, and also they meet Curly. Now he is the meanest some bitch you ever seen played by Jack Palance, and he is he's not having any. And he actually, like, you know, he intervenes finally to basically save Billy Crystal's ass from being kicked by those other guys back at the ranch. But he's not a Billy Crystal fan. Uh, he has not reevaluated his oeuvre like we are. And... Uh... <laughs> He's also doing like the a really good Clint Eastwood impression. Like I feel like I've seen Jack Palance in other movies and he doesn't have that voice and doesn't have that squint mm, and stuff. I don't know. I think Clint Eastwood probably got his shtick from Jack Palance. Oh, okay. Well, maybe yeah. you're right. He yeah. said it was from Marilyn Monroe, right? That's what he said. Clint Eastwood? What? Yeah. He said he was trying to like imitate her dulcet tones. I think. Well, then he fucked That's up. Oh, no, I know. I know. <laughs> you feeling lucky, punk? <laughs> Happy birthday, Does that Mr. Turn President. You on? <laughs> oh, is that when uh, Marilyn Monroe sang that song to an empty chair? <laughs> First of all, it's there are some fish out of water things that happen. Like they're not, they don't really love the riding of the horses. Their butts hurt after a while. They have to like ice their balls and. Also, Billy Crystal causes a stampede with his coffee grinder, and then they have to go round up all the calves, and uh, then there's a few more still missing, so he has to go out with Curly, 
And it seems like Curly's probably just going to murder him in the desert, which, you know, <laughs> well, at this point, you're kind of OK with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a little bit more going on there to the 90s, like gay panic of it all, where he's like, this is going to be like deliverance. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. There yeah, is a few deliverance yeah. well, references, too. It, but that, you know, that uh, that deliverance joke aside, I was not impressed, but I was glad that there weren't a lot of like gay panic yeah. moments and and there were like some actual like tender scenes between the three friends like at the end yeah. like Bruno Kirby just gives Billy Crystal a kiss yeah. and there's not yeah. like in a worse movie there would have been some like refle- reflexively uh, uncomfortable joke or something after this or even the scene where they're all icing their balls together it's intimate and nice and uh, and you can tell that these guys care about each other and I, in a way yeah. that other movies wouldn't necessarily have been as comfortable doing if that makes sense like even like the yeah. the, the kiss at the end i feel like must have just been a bruno kirby thing because i think he's a good actor yeah well yeah. And, and even i really like that and even i mean they they use the f word in here it's in the mouths of like those rape would be rapist guys and what i kind of you know saw in that moment that was kind of nice was that like it wasn't like he said that word at billy crystal then billy crystal was like now i have to fight him because i can't be thought of as gay he was just like he was like okay uh if that's what you think cool uh and and moved on and i thought that was uh not only like sticking with the character but probably okay for the times it was in too yeah i was i was also impressed by and I just like the way that these three guys could be like friends and affectionate and be vulnerable with each other and talk about their problems. And I thought that those were all things that were good and surprising about this movie. Yeah. Because when you see it described a lot of the times, it's like three guys who are questioning their masculinity or feeling bad about you know not being man enough go to recover their masculinity in a masculine sort of masculine environment and that's actually not what this movie is at all like yeah the cowboy thing's a bit butch but you know they they're like just three guys who are like you know working out their problems in like a healthy way yeah and it's it's nice. well and yeah and like the most the most impactful thing is the thing that happens next which is billy crystal delivering the calf mm-hmm. like it's it's a birthing scene that really like is the most uh affecting or one of the most cathartic yeah. uh important yeah. moments for for the character and just before that like he is having he sort of gets to be buddies with Billy Crystal because they just sort of like talk about their tension, you know, instead of like, you know, not talking about it like mm-hmm. you would expect like, you know, two cowboys to do. He's just like, hey, I was this way and I'm sorry. And, you know, and then they have like some nice moments. They sing a little campfire tune and it's beautiful. <laughs> the campfire. It was nice. The campfire yeah. tune scene is so masterfully done from Billy Crystal, like all those moments. And and the sound design of that scene, too, was just really, really well done. That was one of my favorite scenes. If going to kill me, get on with it. If not, shut the hell up. I'm on vacation.
See them tumbling down, pledging their love to the ground. And Jack Palance in his Oscar-winning performance. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. It must not have been much else nominated that year. I mean, <laughs> I think he's great. It's a great no, he's performance. Great, yeah. But, like, yeah. it's so weird to think of this as a movie where an actor would get nominated for yeah. a Best Supporting Actor role. Like, it's, you know, it's well, such a yeah. broad comedy, you know? But if I, it's because he was, you know, a Hollywood legend, too. And... A makeup yeah, absolutely. Oscar kind of thing? Now, we've been kind of lauding this movie for for doing a lot of things right. There are a lot of, like, cringy things uh, about these early scenes, too. Not just the scenes with Helen Slater as, as like, the, the lone woman they're all, like, hilariously creeping on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the majority of the movie. Yeah. But also there's, like, they, the other people who are on this trip include, like, uh, a dentist and his son who are both black and, like... They're introduced, and I think the second sentence they say is like, "Yes, we're black and we're dentists." I was like, "What? Why, <laughs> yeah, why would they say that?" Yeah, yeah. And then it wasn't the, written, the anyway. and then the Ben and Jerry guys come, and they're like, uh, you know, they're they're not like movie star good looking as David Paymer and and uh, Zero Mostel's son. And like the second thing they say is like, yes, we're ugly. And it's like, what? Why don't say that, guys. That's <laughs> not cool. Yeah. I have to say though, I really like the little arc that the uh the father and son yeah. character had. Those actors were like just really good and just like delivered their like emotional moments so clearly and with only having like two lines to do it, it was like really touching. Oh, when... they're so good. Yeah. Yeah. And the the father is played by Bill Henderson, who also plays the cop in Clue. Oh, nice. yeah. So I've always like his voice is just so <laughs> deeply ingrained in my subconscious from all the times I've watched that movie. And he's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But so Curly dies. Yeah. He just dies. And then they're sort of left with these two ranch hand assholes. And well, the, and Tracy Walter. That's right. Yeah. Cookie, the cook, he, <laughs> he gets drunk. The screenwriter took an early, <laughs> early lunch that day. I think that was like a convention of the old wagon trail and chuck wagon. It's just the cook was just called Cookie. You know, they didn't really do names back then. Sure. I don't know. But, yeah, but there's so far like the ex, almost half of the expedition is run by Gotham City's CD underbelly. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Bob the Goon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's he's great. I I I liked uh I was happy when I found out that he was that guy. Yeah. So it's a big it's a big thing cuz yeah, the doctor, the dentist and his son have to take that guy, Bob the Goon, back to the city, and those two guys get drunk off of Bob the Goon's whiskey, and then they have this, like, confrontation with Billy Crystal where they're going to shoot Norman the cow, the cow that Billy Crystal just birthed with his own hands out of a cow's body. They're going to shoot him, and Billy Crystal can't let that happen, so he goes and stands up for him gets him to stop but then you know they get violent and daniel stern goes fucking crazy <laughs> on them I love it. yeah this is great but it's I, pretty amazing I, again we gotta back up for a minute here the, the, okay. this is a vacation that these people have paid for <laughs> yeah. this is like this is like if you went to like 
Club Med and went for a swim in the swimming pool. And then the lifeguard pulled out a gun and, like, threatened to kill a puppy. Club dead. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, and we didn't even talk that, like, Bob the, the goon or whatever, he, he murdered two horses. Like, he just yeah. drove them off a cliff. Like, and got rid of all their food. He drove, <laughs> yeah, he got drunk and drove their wagon full of food off of a cliff. I was like, what? what? Is, how many times have they done this trip? Is this the first time they've ever done one of these and this is a new <laughs> business and it's just gone horribly? Or is this like the 500th time and they just happen to be... They have like really good insurance or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like a or business. like there's like lead in the pipes at that ranch and they've all just slowly gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't seem to be well thought out. No. Yeah. Yeah. Also like, you know... In other cattle drive movies, like Lonesome Dove, there's like a whole bunch of ranch hands, not like, you know, two ranch hands and then like a bunch of, you know, inexperienced people. It seems like it would take more people. Yeah. I don't know. I'm into cow logistics. But... <laughs> cow logistics. <laughs> so then they, the two guys ride off. And so they have to figure out what they're going to do because they're still in the middle of the wilderness. They have all these cows. What are they going to do? That's cow logistics. You, you need to get. <laughs> Get those cows back to the uh, ranch or whatever, wherever the hell they're going. They don't know they're, where they're going. They're probably going to die because of the mismanagement of this terrible operation. Like, literally at one point, they're like, where do we take these cows? And Billy Crystal goes, well, we were headed in this general direction. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're trying to hit a house like on a like 365 degree like you're not gonna do that it, it was just insane uh, they didn't have gps yeah. i can't find my way it's around the desert. city without google anymore how did they no. anyway same yeah but and billy crystal he's not he doesn't want he just wants to abandon the cows and it seems like that's what everybody wants to do but bruno kirby and daniel stern they decide that they're not going to do that so they actually are going to go bring all the cows and bring them all back to the ranch themselves. Phil. Phil. You have like a day's worth of food and water left. We'll be all right. Maybe you won't. Well, maybe we will, Mitch. Why don't you just accept that maybe you don't know what we're going through? I know exactly what you're going through. And you think that bringing in this herd is going to make all the broken pieces of your life come together? Hey, you don't want to do it? Don't do it. We want to do it. I'm not doing it. Don't do it. I'm not asking you to do it. You have been talking me into doing stuff like this my whole life, and I am not doing this. What are you, deaf? I'm not asking you to do it. Great. Come on, Phil. Yeah. And this is where you start, like, gaining respect for them. You're like, okay. You know, they've made yeah, mistakes. Yeah, you're like, what the fuck, Billy Crystal? Like, it's like, I was right about you. You're not funny. <laughs> um, but then he comes there through. There you go. Yeah. They're back. like, we're all going to herd this metaphor for our collective <laughs> problems together. Oh. <laughs> well, because, I, I, again, like, I can't help but feel like this all works better for the supporting characters. Like, I love the idea of, like, Bruno Kirby kind of, like, he doesn't say it, but you can tell, like, he has this idea in his head, like, if I can do this, if I can like herd right. these cows, then and I'm responsible get them back enough to their home. Yeah, then then maybe I can yeah be responsible enough to like look after a kid. Yeah, and and he's so driven in those scenes. I and Daniel Stern is just like has gone you know is so uh, despondent. Like it seems like. He's if he's like, if I can get these cows to do this thing, maybe I can get my life back on track. And Billy Crystal, his problem is so abstract. My smile. <laughs> it's 
still frowning. <laughs> but I guess it's that like that he supports his friend is like his his the thing that. Yeah, I mean, his problem is so much more abstract. It is just like he just doesn't feel satisfied. Well, I think, but I think honestly. Yeah. I think he should just be on medication, mate. I think his problem is, oh. is kind of his fear of his impending death and that he has done nothing with his life, right? Which is like, oh. so when he births a calf, he, he, he realizes, like, in that moment, he's talking about he his... He has two kids! He, One of them is Jake Gyllenhaal! Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think he's, he's, he's saying, you know, like, he's remembering back. And when they say, like, what's your, what's your best day? And they have the conversation, they go, you can't say your kids. That's too easy. And I think, like, there's some things built in there for Billy Crystal to realize, that, like, totally. his family is the most yeah. important thing. But I could but have I told him that. Things... <laughs> like, everyone could have. It wasn't something yeah, you, you should, needed to probably go. shouldn't have embarrassed your son in front of all of his friends. Oh, God. <laughs> but I, I, again, like, I feel like, yeah, that stuff's built into the movie. And, like, in a minute, like, as they're herding the cows, like, Billy Crystal has a near-death experience where he goes yeah. to save the, the baby cow Norman. in the river. Norman. Uh, and, like, you know, his life flashes before his eyes, basically. Or, you know, he has that moment of realizing what's most important because of his near-death experience, which is his family and his children. <laughs> But that would be so much more impactful if he hadn't had a near-death experience 30 <laughs> seconds into the movie. Like, I know. Bro, you're almost gored by a bull. Like, yeah. why didn't you have this realization then? <laughs> yeah. Hey. True. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, well, so, but okay. But they get the cows back, and everybody's happy, except... That Noble Willingham, he tells them that, well, they're not going to take these cows back to the other ranch like they usually do. No, they got a really good deal from the meat company. and uh... We got to herd all these cows and ship them over to Arby's now. <laughs> Where they get thin <laughs> slices. <laughs> Just herd them into the uh, meat grinder. <laughs> Yeah, I, and the, and he says like something to them when they get back. Like he's like, "Oh, we thought you were all dead. You know what? You're all getting your money back." It's like what? And then his wife is mad. She's like, "What? Like, I, they could probably sue. Come yes, on, how could they not <laughs> sue them? Their guides on this trip. One of their guides died, and they had to bury him. Why did they the hire like a drove their guy. food off of a cliff? And the two other ones tried to murder them." Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that a was a rigorous fitness test. That was after they tried to sexually testing. assault one of them while they were also before they'd even gone. This drives me crazy. This why if this movie would not exist if Yelp was a thing in 1991. Trip advisor, <laughs> man. No one Just... would recommend this this uh, business. Oh mm. my god, two stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did, did I, I kind of rem- like I, at this moment. I kind of remember thinking back, being like, maybe this was like an impactful moment for me to become a vegetarian. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe I was just like, yeah, they kill cows. But I, I, I kind of felt it. I thought maybe there was going to be a part of this movie where they were going to be like, hey, maybe like maybe we should stop eating meat because we're killing all the things. That-. But it, it obviously it doesn't go that way because it would be too preachy. But. I don't know. It no, did make yeah. me. I don't eat red meat anymore, but I think watching this movie would have put me over the edge because of the bond he forms with. I Norman. know. <laughs> How could you poor eat Norman? <laughs> Norman. I mean, I love Norman, but I also love a good steak. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, and you know, at the end of the movie, he brings Norman home, and Norman is the new pet, and that's really wonderful and everything, and uh, it's a surprise to the family. Which, yeah, you don't surprise your family with 
agriculture. That's not cool. You know, you have to that's a two person decision. Two, two yeses, one no is the way that yeah. goes. But anyway, I would still eat. I would still eat normal. He, all the other cows get eaten. Uh, they don't do anything for the rest of the cows. It's like all these other cows we saved. Uh, we're probably chewing but, on them now. But what I really, really liked about the ending was it like I was like, maybe they like I forgot the ending and I was trying to figure out what they do in the early 90s. And like maybe they like buy all the cows and they open their own ranch and they're like, this is what we were meant to do. I found the one thing. But instead, they just go back to their lives. And uh, and Billy Crystal is just like, I'll just do what I do kind of better i'll try to do better and i thought that was like a pretty great message for this movie it doesn't it doesn't take a huge change in your life it takes a change in you a little bit uh for your midlife crisis to 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 get over it which you know i think is i think is good because i was going to go to india and try to find myself so this is much easier if i can just be better that'd be nice yeah you're also not allowed to fly anywhere so yeah, this works out easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can just rent city slickers. But in India, they they like cows more, so you know, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, but also at the end, we see that Daniel Stern like hooks up with uh, Helen Slater. That was kind of they take screwy. a cab home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't like that so much. I was like, too easy, guys. Why? Why? Too e- well, yeah. because they just yeah they just kind of treat her as this weird like prize to win. She's a total prop in this movie. Most all the women are, to be honest. She's Supergirl. She deserves better than that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is she in the sequel? I don't know. Is she the gold? That they're all trying to find. <laughs> okay. I, here's another question I had because in the sequel, uh, the whole thing that starts it off is Billy Crystal finds a treasure map in Curly's hat. Do, is that Curly's hat that he's wearing at the end? Because he takes off his Mets hat, and then he, when he rejoins his friends, he's wearing a cowboy hat. Is that Curly's hat? And if so, did he just steal it he just from stole Curly's a corpse? Dead man's <laughs> hat. Yep. Yeah, he did. Kind of fucked up. Yeah, that's pretty messed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't think that that lady is in the sequel. I'm not seeing her in the uh, no. Probably and also, while we're talking about the sequel, like from what I've read, because I don't really remember it that well, but like he doesn't tell his because this whole thing is about him being like i'm gonna be a better husband and father and because that's the thing that's most important to me and the sequel begins with him lying to his wife because he doesn't tell her that he's going after this gold and abandoning his kids it's like jake gyllenhaal is like having a uh, his like you know baseball game is like where's dad oh he's going after curly's gold don't worry, he no, learned no, a lot he, of lessons. He's lying about that, so he's like, they're like, "Oh, Dad's at a conference," but then, he, yeah, he's really yeah. despicable. Oh, yeah. On. Well, we'll be back. To, I have some trivia and behind-the-scenes stuff right after this short break. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
Okay, we're back. It's rewatchability. We are talking about city slickers. And do I have some trivia for you, city slickers? <laughs> you think you're so smart with your edumacations? Well, let me give you some country wisdom. <laughs> you have to spit a lot more. No. You have to spit a lot more. <laughs> okay, so Jack Palance was Billy Crystal's first choice for Curly in this movie. What famous cowboy movie inspired Billy Crystal to cast him? Oh. It's a movie that Jack Palance is in, famously. I, I was trying to think of it because I know he's like a Western <laughs> Pops guy. and Robertsons. I know so few uh, early Westerns. Like I, I, and the Jack Palance movies I've seen have all been like gangster movies and noirs. Uh, mm-hmm. Give us a clue. Uh John Wayne's in it. That doesn't that doesn't That's matter. every <laughs> cowboy movie. Right. What uh, what okay. letter does it start with? S. What? S? S. Uh, you can't look at IMDb. Oh, I'm looking at it. Okay, I think I know I think I know what you got. Okay, do you want to guess? <laughs> no, it's been referenced in another movie. Two, JM. I, if this is the one, then it's been referenced in the negotiator. Okay, just tell me. I don't. I don't know. In the negotiator, okay to be wrong. Shane, I'm wrong. It's Shane, right? It's Shane. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've never seen Shane, and I've always wanted to. Yeah, me, me too. Either. We should do it on the podcast. Yeah, I haven't seen it. No. <laughs> yeah. Also, fuck John Wayne. But also, um, <laughs> Billy Crystal. Apparently, this was the first movie that billy crystal ever saw like at a movie theater uh, so it probably was his first movie that he ever saw oh, that's cool. that didn't have vhs and this is the craziest thing he was sitting on his babysitter's lap and his babysitter was billy holiday what wait wait yeah wait <laughs> wait is that why he was named billy oh that would be crazy <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. That's an amazing story. Why didn't he tell it on stage or something? <laughs> well, if there was, if it was 701 Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> he could have gotten there. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I just like the round number. Yeah. His dad was a, a big jazz producer, jazz, you know, behind the scenes guy. So that's where the connection was. That's crazy. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That is crazy. So what were you going to say? I was just going to say, yeah, I'd like to watch Shane. I, I actually have been watching... A few classic westerns lately, because I I don't know a lot about old westerns, and I it, back to the idea of like watching movies that are like outside. It is kind of relaxing <laughs> and nice to you know to see these like big vistas, mm-hmm. you know, the Monument Valley and all that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Shane before the next podcast. Do it. All right. Report back. Okay. Number number two. Okay, so. What does that say? <laughs> Billy Crystal and uh, Bruno Kirby worked together a bunch of times, most famously in When Harry Met Sally. What 1984 comedy do they also both appear in? I, I know. Blaine, do you know? No. Oh. They're both in the Spinal Tap, right? That's correct. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And there was a big thing about this because... Bruno Kirby, famously a great actor, was in Godfather Part 2, for Christ's sakes. But he wasn't in City Slickers 2. They replaced him with John Lovitz. And, you know, I like John Lovitz, but 
Bruno Kirby, like, I mean, first, it seems weird that, like, you know, in this movie about three friends and they have a good time and, you know, they bond at the sequel. One of them's not there. Where's the other guy? What happened? It's Was weird. there, like, so, a scheduling conflict? I don't know. I mean, it, there is rumor of a big falling out between mm. Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby. And some people seem to think that, like, maybe... Billy Crystal had some sort of hand in like interfering with Bruno Kirby's career. And of course, Bruno Kirby passed away, I think in 2006. And um, yeah, after City Slickers, his he didn't do as many like really big roles. So I don't know. I tried to look on the Internet. There isn't a lot of information. Yeah, I think the, like the official the story thing. was like that he didn't like the scripts. Oh, OK. I can see City that. Slickers, too. It could be that. It could be that. But yeah, like you said, there's there's been a lot of rumors about about a falling out between the two. I think Billy Crystal got like really touchy about it when asked in an interview. What yeah, happened. yeah, yeah. It's just a bit weird, but a bit sad. And uh, since he's gone, it's a little bit extra sad. Um, it's also yeah. It kind of like that's one of the things that really torpedoes the sequel. I mean, that, the movie's got a lot of problems, but. I mean, the fact that the movie, the first movie is about three close friends. That's that's the whole thing. And then the second yeah. one, one <laughs> of them is just not there. And then you bring in John Lovitz, who, again, is a guy I obviously like and think is funny. But when you bring in John Lovitz, you also, you know, you bring the movie to a whole other kind of level of farce. You know, mm-hmm. like he uh, he yeah. just he shifts things into into more of a comedy because this movie's not that funny like it's got i think it's got people that are supposed to be funny in it but like the you know there's a lot of there's death there's uh you know existential crises Uh, yeah there's i don't know it's uh yeah it's it's, i think it goes for the heart more than it goes for the laugh totally yeah yeah okay so this movie was written by uh oh my god my handwriting's terrible (laughs) it was written by uh (laughs) Lowell Gans and uh, Babalu Mandel, who uh, worked a bunch of times with Billy Crystal. I was wondering if you guys could name any of the uh, other movies they wrote for Billy Crystal. Yeah, I do know that they worked. Did they do Mr. Saturday Night? They did. Blaine, you got one for us? Nope. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I just can't think of many Billy Crystal movies. They also did City Slickers too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Father's Day and Forget Paris. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I think it was five. It's not bad. No, it's and they also wrote fucking <laughs> A League of Their Own. Oh, nice. Oh, I love that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's so good. And uh, I think Splash too. They a bunch of Tom Hanks stuff too. Um, so good, good for them. Oh yeah, I also had a question. The guy who plays the uh, construction worker, Robert Constanzo, do you guys know which character he voiced in Batman the Animated Series? Oh, was it Harvey Bullock? Yeah. <laughs> Such a, I mean, it's perfect. Perfect casting. You know, I, I never knew that until, but as you were asking the question, I thought of his voice and was like, immediately put it together. Yeah, I can't believe right? I never knew that. Wow. Of course. So good. Yeah, yeah. That I, I that guy is—he's probably the best actor in Hollywood that nobody knows who he is secretly. 
Yeah. But yeah, well, this movie sort of came together. It was Billy Crystal's idea. He just had an idea. Hey, funny cattle driving friends. Uh, midlife crisis. <laughs> the last part might not have been so much part of the plot as something he was going through. Uh, but then he sort of handed it off to these guys, to Gans and um, and the other guy, and they sort of went with it. It wasn't always going to be Billy Crystal as the star. It wasn't assumed that he was going to be the lead in this movie. They actually thought about getting people like uh, Robin Williams, mm-hmm. who obviously would have been great. It probably would have been a huge movie then. But for the part of Curly, like I said, they did want jack palance originally and that's sort of who it was written in mind for but because of scheduling con- uh, conflicts they had to ask a few other people and you can probably guess the sort of people they asked like they asked uh clint eastwood and he was like you feeling lucky punk and uh bill crystal said yeah i'm feeling kind of lucky no he, he asked for too much money uh, he wanted a whole bunch of money to do the cowboy thing yeah and uh, they also asked Charles Bronson. Oh, that would have been good. And uh, Charles Bronson was like, do you have a death wish? <laughs> right. He was in the movie Death Wish. <laughs> love- no, he, apparently he got really angry at Billy Crystal for even suggesting, for even asking him to do this movie. He got, like, super offended and even, like, threatened Billy Crystal, I think, you know, because he dared present this script to him nice. where... His character dies on page 68. Mm. This is like a big Hollywood movie. Charles Bronson was in like canon films at that time in his career. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem like a smart move by Mr. Bronson. But uh, yeah, apparently he didn't want to, uh, he didn't want all that money and fame. <laughs> it's a career I guess, death uh, wish. you know. Oscars are fine for some people. But... Well, I am glad that it happened that way because Jack Palance is perfect in this. And the the movie, uh, I, I think I was really getting tired of it around the uh, half hour mark, 35 minute mark. And that's mm-hmm. exactly when Jack Palance steps in and mm-hmm. immediately reinvigorates the story. Oh, yeah, well, he just, absolutely. He just brings some tension to an otherwise, like, tensionless, I don't care about any of these characters <laughs> movie. He, You know, that uh, he's like, have you killed anyone today? And he's like, date ain't over yet. Like, I just, yeah. <laughs> I just love that line, the way he delivers it. Yeah, it's great. Well, also, it's good because, again, because I kind of find Billy Crystal annoying. Like, it's nice to have a guy not find him funny. Because in the whole yeah. opening part of the movie, everyone's like, oh, you're so funny. Oh, your husband's so funny. And it's like, is he? I guess he's funny for, like, an <laughs> advertising guy on a radio. Yeah. But, yeah, like, having having him do his shtick and, and uh, this. Imagine uh, living with that guy. Yeah. He needed a straight man to, like, bounce off of for sure. Oh, that was another weird thing about like the the kind of idea of him like having an affair with the Helen Slater character. Helen Slater looks just like the woman from Thirty Something who plays his wife. Like, why did they cast an actress who looks virtually identical <laughs> to his wife? He has a type. Mm-hmm. He has a type. Yeah, yeah. What else can we say about City Slickers? Um... It was directed by Ron Underwood, who. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Made a little movie called Tremors. Yeah. Oh man, I love Tremors. Yeah. Which you I know we've tennis. talked about on the show. I don't know if we talked about it at the time, but it was his debut, right? Like, that that was the first movie he made. That's crazy. First feature. It's so good. Knocked out of the park. It's so good. 
And this is also really about fun. friends yeah. hanging out in the desert. Yeah, true. True. Getting stranded. <laughs> he was on a real roll, like a tumbleweed. <laughs> and then he went on. What else did he make? He made uh, Blaine. You're going to love this run of films that he made because he Tell made uh, he made Tremors. Then the next year he made City Slickers. Wow. Then two years after that he made Heart and Souls with Robert Downey Jr. Oh, I wanted yeah. to do that on a podcast. Yeah, I like that movie. Made, the year after that, he made Speechless with uh, Michael Keaton and Gina Davis, which I also saw in the theater. Wow. Maybe we should just do a, a Ron Underwood run. <laughs> a little Ron yeah. Underwood cattle drive ourselves. Yeah. He's been mostly working in uh, TV recently. He hasn't done any uh, big films in quite a number of years. I think the last really big film he did was like Mighty Joe Young. Well, after the Mighty Joe Young, he made one of the most famous bombs in Hollywood, which was the adventures of Pluto Nash. Uh, Right. Yeah. So that I'm sure that had a, uh, an effect. Yeah. Did you hear that? uh, Apparently Eddie Murphy quit acting because he didn't want to, because he won like the worst actor at the Razzies. Oh, come on. That's really sad. And it kind of makes me hate the Razzies. Like, Maybe uh, maybe we could stop that. <laughs> I think, yeah. like, but Sandra Bullock, she won the Razzie the same year as she won the Oscar, right? And she showed up to the Razzies to accept the award. Like, I feel like if you can't make fun of yourself a little bit, I don't know. Yeah, but the Razzies is stupid. Yeah, and, like, just, like, it's it's okay to be mean sometimes. But if your whole thing is to be mean, like, it just gets a bit old. Sometimes you're just like, you know, yeah, it's not funny anymore if you're just... That's your default. They gave the Arazi to uh, Shelley Duvall for The Shining, I think. How long has that been happening, the Razzies? <laughs> I don't know. Is it like one 80-year-old guy who just hates everything? <laughs> it's just Jack Balance. Yeah. Maybe Pluto Nash is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Pluto Nash. Okay, so let's do the thing. Blaine, <laughs> did you think this was a rewatchable film? You know... It- if you would have told me that like this old Billy Crystal film that's about three men whom you don't like that have done horrible things or just I don't know milk toast things that are going through like some sort of midlife crisis I would have been like yeah that sounds awful like that sounds like something that I wouldn't want to see but then I watched it and there's so many delightful lines and Billy Crystal is at his Billy Crystalist and um he came out of the Billy Chrysalis, and it, I just—he—he's a beautiful butterfly of comedy in this, and uh, and Bruno Kirby's okay. Good. So uh, moving on and, from Blaine, <laughs> Daniel's turn is good, and listen to my metaphors, and um, and I just—it's uh, it, not a great film, and I don't think it should have gotten like it should have been as big as it was. But I, I for for something that was made in '91, I think it's really fun something to revisit and uh and and something that i that i quite liked but maybe that's just because i'm gonna turn 39 at some point and i want to feel like i can birth a calf i don't know but i i i (laughs) yeah i i found it very rewatchable um surprisingly rewatchable because i was kind of afraid going into this movie and like you jm the first half hour i was like okay (laughs) like let's get to it i'm i'm checking my phone too much um and uh (laughs) but then when it picks up it really does and 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 i quite liked it uh what about you jm i don't know i'm kind of right on the line for this one uh i think that it's pretty 
a lot of it's pretty dated, dated and cringy, and uh, I, I don't think, I don't think uh, the idea of like, <laughs> like a rich, successful, you know, happily married guy, like having this kind of projected turmoil, like plays the same now as it did at the time. I don't know. Did you guys see uh, This Is Forty? Oh, I hate This Is Forty. No, I never yeah, seen like it. that was the movie that like killed that. <laughs> <laughs> for me. Like, uh, there's a scene where like uh, Paul Rudd has like a mental breakdown where he's like crying behind the wheel of his BMW, right? <laughs> over like, you know, over how it, over a business uh, problem, right? Uh, so, yeah. And then one of his celebrity friends has to get off on the shoulder to cry on or something. And then the whole like. <laughs> That movie, not to get it off on a whole tangent about that, but like the, the whole thing is like his boutique record label isn't going to do well, and he doesn't want to tell his wife. And then finally, he tells his wife, and she's like, "Let's just sell our mansion and buy a slightly smaller mansion, and we'll just live off the difference in price." And he's like, "Oh, okay. I failed as a man." And then at the end, they go see, go to a concert, and his wife is like, "Oh, you should sign Ryan Adams, and that'll <laughs> fix your problems." And he was like, "Oh, great!" And uh, spoiler alert: that would not fix your problems. <laughs> Flashing forward a few years, that's. Uh, uh, it's not the way to do it, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I don't respond to that. Even though, like, yeah, I'm right around that age. Like, that probably should hit me in the same way. But it, I I guess like it, it it doesn't because I think it's it's so wishy washy about like the actual like problems he's having or like you know it's just kind of this general abstract malaise. I think. Not in any kind of insightful way, but just probably to be as unspecific as possible and appeal to the most amount of people watching it as possible. And I think it's just silly. I don't. I think his his character or the character of his wife is just so, uh, you know, bland and hollow and uh, and unrealistic that it just like it it makes me like think. It doesn't let me get invested in his character. Like mm-hmm. I got invested so much in the supporting characters in this movie like they the movie succeeds only for me because of uh of the bruno kirby and daniel stern characters because they're great and it's not just that they're like stories are more interesting and nuanced it's also that like because we have that backdrop of like actual uh you know drama playing out uh or resonating with me for them like the comedic bits that they have also become like way funnier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the moments that I actually laughed out loud watching this movie were all Bruno Kirby and Daniel Stern, you know, losing it or, you know, something uh, attached to this character. Like Billy Crystal just doing Billy Crystal shtick didn't make me laugh in this movie. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, uh, Yes, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of rewatchable. I think a lot of it's not, but it's got a good structure. I mean, like, look, I gasped when they put the uh, gun in the mouth of the baby cow. I, oh my god! I did get pretty invested by the end of it. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. And one other thing, I do want to point out. One other highlight is the the Mark Shaman score, which is cl- oh, yeah. clearly influenced by a lot of classic Western music. That I do know, but I. I I think it's it's quite good and and you know gets you into it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll yeah, I'm going to say slightly not rewatchable and I'll leave it to Rob to be the tiebreaker. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I'm going to say it's rewatchable. I thought 
you know, I thought that there was a lot of uh, pitfalls that this movie couldn't could have stepped into that it didn't. And like, yeah, like there's also been like a, quite a few of those midlife crisis dude movies. And they're sort of like they're all sort of bad. They usually have like John Travolta and Morgan Freeman and that sort of thing. And I thought this might be that. I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. And, you know, there's a bunch of things that sort of clicked with me emotionally, like uh, the cowboy stuff. I mean, the curly, the curly relationship, like it's so perfect. It's just the way that it's executed. It, It makes me feel so warm. And I, yeah, I understand that like Billy Crystal's problems are, I mean, they're so stupid, you know, but at the same time, you know, I think that it's relatable that a lot of our problems are stupid and we don't like recognize the ways that we're privileged and we get stuck in the dumps and we're like, ah, why doesn't anything feel good? Why do I feel like my life is going nowhere? And I I kind of I kind of like the way that this sort of resolved that and sort of played with it. And it did it in a way that was that didn't involve like puffing up your chest and like being the most manly man that you could. It was about like, you know, sharing your feelings and talking about it and having like, you know, positive experiences. And yeah, the criticism of the movie aside, I, I had a fun time watching it and yeah, it it felt good. I like the relationships of the main characters. Yeah. There are definitely some, some things that are uh, very nineties about it, you know, very progressive and uh, enlightened, but uh, I think overall, I think overall is a good one. You know, I would even go so far as to watch city slickers to the legend of curly gold. Cause I, I just want some more of that curly, you know, I need some of those curly fries, you know, curly. I just, And I think there's is there rumors of a City Slickers three? I think they keep on saying that there. there well, might they did be. that like Funny or Die did a like City Slickers Westworld mashup video. Oh, did they? Yeah, with with Billy Crystal. Well, that's kind of fun. Oh, I wonder. Oh, I can't. Remember. Well, anyway, because I saw you know Billy Crystal's daughter plays his daughter in this movie, and oh, she also that explains why they didn't get Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But his daughter directed that really funny When Harry Met Sally 2 parody with Helen Mirren and Billy Crystal. It was like, how did how'd they get Billy Crystal for a funny or die thing? Right. Well, but maybe she directed that. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. But that's rewatchability for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts where you can rate us and leave a little review. That helps. You can go to Patreon if you'd like to become a patron and get those early ad-free and sometimes bonus episodes. And we're on Twitter. We're at rewatchability there. And we're also on Instagram where we're at rewatchability. And we're on Facebook. If you have a movie that you would like us to talk about, you can give us an email. Shoot us an email at rewatchability at gmail.com some excellent foley work there and yeah until until next week uh i don't know any words of wisdom sage sage words of advice uh i don't know i just feel like i'm lost i don't know we can go on a cattle drive go get your go get your (laughs) smile back yeah (laughs) hey i found it oh okay it's weed we <laughs> it was weed all along. It is for everyone, Rob. It is for everyone. <laughs>